Father, thank you for Matthew and Andy. Really, thank you for every person in this room. Holy Spirit, we ask you to overshadow. Pray you'd put yourself on Matthew like a glove. You just fit over his body and let let the reality of Christ that's in him come out as he shares this morning. Thank you, Lord. He's been a great, great guy, Lord. He's been a great guy. He's been a faithful uh, disciple. He's really been has a heart to love and serve. And Lord, for that, we thank you. We thank you for the anointing inside of him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Everybody stand up real quick. Oh, Holy Spirit, we embrace you in this place this morning. Oh, thank you, God, for coming and visiting us. Mm. We just wait on you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm, we embrace all that you are, Holy Spirit. All that you do, Lord. We want more, Lord. We ask, I ask you to fill our cups this morning, Lord. Mm, fill our cups today, Holy Spirit. Bring us into your intoxicating presence, God. Ooh, thank you, Lord. You can sit down. Ooh, God's good. And this microphone's kind of booming, ringing. Everybody good? All right. I was reading this book recently about the Hebrides Revival. Anybody ever heard of that? Do you know where the Hebrides Islands are? Yeah, Andy's read the book. Uh, yeah, there's this little island chain off the coast of Scotland, and in the late 1940s and early 50s, this... Uh, I believe it was somewhat of an elderly group of folks, just a small group gathered together and began to just ask God, contend for this young generation on these islands. And some remarkable things began to happen, and quite unusual in a sense. Um, and just one thing that, I, that was interesting to me is people literally were beckoned by the Holy Spirit themselves, and they began to leave whatever they were doing and start driving towards these services that were being held. And in one situation, it was like the presence of God just settled on these islands and people just came stumbling out of the bars and, and all, just wherever they were at and just were laid out under the Holy Spirit across the bushes and stuff. Isn't that true, Marlon? I mean, can you imagine? Like, can you imagine you're doing your Christmas shopping at Walmart or, well, not Walmart, <laughs> Best Buy and uh, Target or whatever. You're just going about your business and all of a sudden... God just comes upon your community in such an intense way that people walk out, you know, just, just are just so intoxicated or, or consumed with this presence that really would seem unexplainable, you know. Um, I, I just want to talk just for a few minutes about um, removing our inhibitions. I believe that one of the hindrances to revival to what God really wants to do is what Byron spoke of, I think it was last Sunday, uh, the spirit of reserve, you know, that comes upon all of us. Because we're pretty sophisticated people, aren't we? I mean, we're pretty dignified and we value our dignity. You know, we value this thing in us that, that you know, we just want to, we look good, you know, we're, we're dressed nice and, and, uh, and when we're a dignified people. You know, and we don't want anybody to think that we're foolish or, or archaic or uneducated or whatever. And, and I'm, I just want to share some very common stories from Scripture 
that actually illustrates that God doesn't always work the way that we think He should. You know, and I, would, I just want to ask you the question this morning, are you willing to be undignified? David said that he was even going to be humiliated in his own eyes. Are you, are you willing to be humiliated even to yourself? Now, I'm not talking about being stupid. I'm not talking about being all fleshy and just being crazy just for the sake of being crazy. Here's what I'm talking about. Let me, let me share with you why this is near and dear to my heart. It's for 10 years now, I've been on the front lines for this generation, I feel like, as a school teacher. Okay? I saw this young man right here, Michael Harris, Philip Wicker, graduate from high school. Um, you know, I taught them at Mooresville Christian Academy. And, and uh, Andy and I and Marlon were over there every day. And Andy, was, we were talking last night, and he was saying, you know, he said, well, actually, this was a few days ago, he said to me, he goes, Matthew, I, I realized I wasn't really in touch with reality until I started teaching at Mortal Christian Academy. I was like, well, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, I was just, before that, I was just getting up every day, going, working, doing this thing, but I didn't really understand what was going on out there with this generation. That's what he was meaning by that. I was like, yeah, you're really right. Many of us really aren't in touch with the gravity of what's going on until some guy brings an assault rifle to the mall and begins shooting people or brings it to a church and to a YWAM base. Okay, we're talking about a homeschool kid from a Christian family that did this late, last Sunday, right? Out in Denver, Colorado. So I don't know about you, but to me that's serious. You know, like I care about that. I want to know why. You know, I don't want to study necessarily the psychology behind why people do this, but I want to know spiritually, God, what's going on here and what do we do about it? Because it's frustrating in a sense when, when we sit here pouring out our hearts and, and trying to reach a lot of students at Mooresville Christian Academy and you get this wall from them. You know, you get this blank stare. You get this... Just this, they've got this, what I call a God inoculation. Enough of God to just not really want any more of them. You know, and that greatly concerns me. And I'm concerned about their souls, but I'm also just concerned about the future of what God, of this, of this generation. You know, and uh, I was one of those kids. I went to a Christian school. You know, and uh, I had a great family, but great Christian family, all these things in it. So when I got my freedom off to college, I immediately embraced, because I hadn't really encountered the Lord for myself, I embraced a different kind of lifestyle and, you know, got into smoking pot and doing all these things. But one day I had this encounter with God where I just got really drunk on the Holy Spirit. Like in Acts chapter 2, kind of drunk. You know, to where all of a sudden this intoxication filled me to where immediately any sort of addiction that I had opened myself up to was broken. I no longer had any desire and never had one day since then. And as I look at kids both at MCA and out there, I think, you know what? 
I could tell them all the reasons they should believe. You know, I mean, I could go toe-to-toe with them in their minds. I'm really into apologetics. You know, I, re- I really love that stuff. I really believe in it. Um, you know, Michael was one of my best students here, man. I mean, he could give you, you know, the, why, the, why you sh- the Bible is true. You know, he could tell, you know, we, we debated abortion and stuff. He could give you very philosophical and scientific answers about why abortion can't be right, you know. Got this class on worldviews. But you know, Michael, that's not enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, you probably have friends that know all those answers but they're just as lost as they can be. You know, and so, therefore, what is the other answer? What, what, else, what are we missing? I believe we're just missing an encounter with God. Like, these young people need to experience the God who created them in a way that will completely change their life. But it goes more than that. You and I need to continue to experience Him as well in that way. Now, on Wednesday night, there were a handful of us here, you know, just contending for what God's doing, contending for a move of God, contending for awakening. And as, the, as it got a little bit later, two or two and a half hours after we had been here, suddenly it was like there was this open portal up here on the stage. <laughs> you know, I don't know, I can't explain exactly what that means. But God was doing something. The next thing I know, there is a laughter that hits Sarah Ruth, and she's about to fall off of her chair, and we're just having a big old party with the Holy Spirit up here. I mean, we're rolling around, and it looks pretty stupid. I understand that. It looks pretty undignified. But as I left that meeting, I made a comment to, I think, Sarah Ruth. I was like, you know, suddenly, there is such a burning passion for Jesus in my spirit right now. I mean, I just can't get enough of that new wine. I'll just take some more, Lord. I was like, wouldn't it be great if we just showed up at church and everybody just got drunk? You know, I mean, to where the musicians couldn't even play their guitars. Why would that be great, Matthew? Would that be great just because, you know, you're all into this experience thing and, you know, it would just be fun to be stupid? No. It's because somehow I see that as David encountered the presence of the Holy Spirit, even before the Holy Spirit was released on all flesh, as he encountered it, he said, I'm going to be even humiliated in my own eyes. Let's look at this passage, 2 Samuel 6, verse 12. Now King David was told... The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. So, you know, this ark that was made generations earlier for the presence of God was finally being returned. You know, and David was so ecstatic, so beside himself. And in verse 14, it says, David wearing a linen ephod danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with the shouts and the sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. 
who happened, as you know, to, or if you don't, happened to be David's wife. And when he, she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person, the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes. So when David returned home to bless his household, where was David going here? He was going home, right? Who was he going to bless? He was going to bless his wife. He was going to bless his household, right? He had just finished enjoying and rejoicing and celebrating the return of the presence of God. So he was headed home. Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls, of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would! Exclamation point. She was pretty upset. He had a mad wife on his hands. You idiot! What are you doing? Can't believe my husband is making such a fool of himself. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father, Saul, or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. That strikes me there. In my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Now a couple things that I want to point out here. First of all, David says that it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father. And he's talking about the first king of Israel. Of course, Saul, his predecessor, he wasn't bragging. He wasn't gloating about this, I don't believe. He wasn't saying, ah, your dad's messed up and God chose me instead, so, you know, buck up here. He was saying, oh, the reason that I'm acting so crazy seemingly and rejoicing so extravagantly is because God chose me. It was nothing that I did, but God chose me. I was from the least of the tribe, you know, but God chose me. And it reminds me of that, that verse in 1 Peter 2.9 that says, But you are a chosen generation. We are a chosen generation. And just as David and those people celebrated and rejoiced extravagantly at the return of the presence of God to Jerusalem, we are a generation that gets to rejoice because God is visiting us now. He is visiting our generation with a supernatural expression of His presence that seems unprecedented, at least in recent generations. I mean, there's all kinds of stories all over the world of incredible things that God is doing 
from zones of cancer-free zones out in California to, you know, these precious gemstones falling just miraculously on people. Oil being poured out in people's hands and on their feet like out of nowhere. This uh, sapphire dust. I saw on this guy the other day on this video. This guy had this blue dust just coating him. It's like, what in the world is that all about? God is pouring out His presence. We found out last night Chuck had been talking to a woman who um, has this book that we want to get our hands on. And um, she says that in Iredell County in the 1700s, there was this house up near Troutman where uh, these stones, these precious stones, were raining down this house for, I think it was months, wasn't it, by three months? You know, so what is going on with this? This blows our comprehension. Why is God doing these things? God is visiting us. We can rejoice in that. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. That why? That we may proclaim His praises to Him. Because we're called out of darkness into His marvelous light. You were once people. You were not, not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Does anybody know what it feels like to be in darkness? Does anybody remember what it feels like to step into light? That's who we are. That's who we are. And as Chuck was testifying this morning, that's what we have to give. That's what we have to pass on. You know, and if that means being foolish, then I say, so be it. Like, let's not be foolish for foolishness sake, but, you know... The Bible says that the foolishness of God, you know, confounds the wisdom of men. You know, so God really wants to do a tremendous thing. Now, here's the other thing that I was reminded of. And for the sake of time, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just going to summarize this. Is you remember when this woman who Jesus said had, had a lot of sin, she came to Jesus and she broke this expensive box of perfume, you know, the alabaster box. And I was thinking about that is that's pretty messy. <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, like if you were really there, like it's messy to break a box full of oil or perfume or whatever the substance was and to begin to wipe it all over this guy. Can you imagine how offensive that was? In fact, in one of those stories, um, you know, one of the disciples, Judas, was upset. That religious spirit was rising up and saying, you know what, we could have sold this money and given it to the poor. I can't believe that you would do something like this. So, I just feel like the Lord wants to encourage us. Don't stop. Don't hold back. Because honestly, I feel like corporately as a church, as we just continue to go forward in whatever the Lord wants to do, there's more. There's more that's got, that God's going to do. But like David, are you willing to be humiliated in your own eyes? And whatever that means for you. Because for like what Chuck was saying, no matter how you feel, just pray for the person. 
That can be pretty humiliating at times. You know, I prayed for this lady at the drive-thru at Bojangles the other day. That was kind of interesting. I'm going to hold up the line. What's she going to think? You know, just stuff like that. Like, I really... And here's the other thing. Is one of the, one of the inevitable things about church is people being self-conscious about what other people are going to think about them. You know? I mean, really, if I thought that I looked good up here doing my little dance thing, I really wouldn't do it. I mean, I really don't think I look very good. Like, I don't think any of you guys standing back there going, man, look at Matt. I mean, he's really dancing. That's awesome. I mean, did you see that movie did? And Like, no, no. I, please don't look at me. I mean, you know. And I'm not saying that to boast of myself. I'm just saying, you know what? I really don't care what you think about me. And I don't care what any teenager thinks about me at MCA. And I don't care what any 85-year-old man thinks about me. Because all I care about is just rejoicing that the presence of God has been returned to our generation. It's been returned to me. And man, I knew what it was like to be in darkness at 19. And then I knew what it was like to supernaturally come into light. And that is exciting. But you know, I believe David was a man after God's own heart. It means whatever is in your heart, let it out. However that expression is. Don't be limited by what anybody here thinks about you. What your family thinks about you. What your co-workers think about you. You know, ultimately, they're not the ones that are going to make any difference with this generation. So, amen. We're going to take communion. Amen. Wow. I was... Uh... We met as a pastor's uh, at Starbucks one time this past week. And uh, there was this revelation the Lord was pouring in. You know, the Holy Spirit kept on saying that, you know, there is a praise that's all is due to the Father. It, it has nothing to do how we feel. It's not to do whether we messed up or any of this stuff. It is just something that you cannot withhold back. Like, you cannot withhold it. Like, it's so great within you that it has to come out, you know? And uh, you know, and I remember the Lord saying, "I want you to determine in your heart, by my grace, okay, that the praise that is due me, you will give that to me. You know, regardless of whatever you're doing, whatever, regardless of whatever you're going through, that I give, I offer that thanksgiving praise to Him. You know, and I just felt I wanted to sum that up a little bit. You know, with what Matthew was saying, you know, because these times I've come in here, like even this morning, I came here this morning, I didn't feel any anointing on me." Like zero. Just fell flat. But yet at the same time, my heart, I said, Father, these are praises do you. And whichever way it comes out, what is it, dance or a squeak, I'm gonna get it out. You know? And I just and I just let it go. You know? And and when I did, someone came behind me and encouraged me and say, Hey, it's not up to you. There's nothing you can do about it. You know what I mean? There was a grace that was released out of that. So just wanna encourage you. As we take communion this morning, I'm going to read these scriptures because a lot of times, you know, we we can just sort of stumble into this, which is <clears throat> not always the best way to do it. This is for I received from the Lord that which also I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread.
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you. So that's, we need to really approach this like that, the broken body of Christ. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he returns. Um, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That's pretty serious. But let, us, um, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So, Father, this morning we take this very uh, seriously, but in a good way, Lord, because we know that it is, it is your blood that cleanses our life. It's your blood that removes sin, the stain of sin from us. And it's your body that was broken for us, Lord, that heals us and brings life to us. And uh, we want to really just receive of you this morning. We want to eat your body and drink your blood and say to you, Lord, we need you. We confess to you, Lord, our need of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we don't want to come in here this morning and, and act one way and be one way and walk out there and be something else. Lord, we don't want to live that way, Lord. We want to be true to you all the time. So, Lord, I just thank you for the blood, Lord, that washes us, that removes the spots, removes the... And, Lord, I thank you for the body that was broken and beaten for us, that brings life and healing into our natural bodies. So, Lord, we just want to receive it. So I just encourage you to really examine your heart this morning. As you come up, you examine your heart. Are you right with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Is He your Savior? Thank you, Lord. As, as you feel so inclined, you can come and receive. But I really encourage you to examine yourself. And,
says, I'm going to read this other scripture to you. It says, Anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful, let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be uh, forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I'd like to offer time as we dismiss. If you uh, need are in need of his <coughs> healing or any need of any prayer this morning, if you're going through anything in your life that you would like to be prayed for, let's get some people up here. And we will be glad to pray for you and ask the Lord to heal you, to touch you, to do whatever you know breakthrough that you need in your life. Otherwise, you can be dismissed. <laughs>